back to the Archie Sonic Digest and we've got uh we certainly have a show for you today that's all I can really put it up to but before we get started properly let's bring back the fan favorite my boy Jackal coming in for another episode with us how are you doing my good friend I'm doing all right you know the door just keeps getting left open I just keep letting myself in y'all can't get rid of me that easily uh, of course not why would anyone want to get rid of themselves when you can be here in the titillating world of Archie Comics, Sonic the Hedgehog. I, I inject that Ken Penders into my veins. Yeah, that's... You should not do that. Please go to the doctor. <laughs> that is, uh... I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a class one drug right there. Uh, the feds oh, are coming down. The feds are breaking down the door as we speak. Every eye open up! And on that note, uh... Let's start <laughs> with the first comic we've got tonight, Sonic the Hedgehog number 119. And let me give the uh, listeners a little bit of a heads up. The first two comics are, uh, how, do I, how do I put it here? They're boring. They don't have anything going on. So I'm going to try my best to like just summarize it real quick so we can get into like the real good stuff. So the first story in like 119 written by Benny Lee and uh, Ron Lim did the art. So Sonic just runs to a town called Furville, which I have to say, I do think that is, um, how do I put it, a slur? I don't think that town should be called that, <laughs> but uh, I digress. So he's uh, shouting to the residents at night saying, hey, there's this large, large-ass caterpillar badnik that's about to come destroy their town, uh, leave. So basically, we then see the, this like badnik rolling into the town like it's a goddamn train sonic tries to spin dash it but he can't break through the metal shell and to its side eggman's projecting saying that oh after this after it's done here after this caterpillar is done leveling this town i'm gonna go to knothole and level it too we then see tails flying overhead in the tornado telling sonic if they can get inside its body i can hack into it and stop it and they do so tails makes it run itself off a cliff and into the ocean and then also there's a joke at the end about Sonic saying, oh, it looks like it uh, went off the deep end, didn't it, Tails? And Tails is like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> and that's the end. Oh, Tails. Classic stuff. The second story, Carl Bowlers and John Butler did the art, yada yada. Focusing on Bunny, she's answering a distress signal, but it's taken out by some kind of defense system, and she wakes in a jail cell. And she is being held by the sandblasters, and... Jaggle, for your memory, these are the people that were, like, basically kind of holding Sonic hostage after revering him. And then uh, uh, he literally broke his way out by destroying their defense system and condemning them to Robians. You know, it hmm. happens. The, you know, sound, sounds legit. Yeah. So they're pissed. And because originally this little trap that they did by sending out the distress signal was to lure Sonic. But since they know that Bunny is like one of Sonic's friends, they just consider it close enough and try to kill her. But uh, she fights them off, the Robians that they sick on her one by one in a free-for-all. And burrows her way out of the cell to the surprise of the Sandblasters and frees herself. That's the end of that story. The last one by Carl Bowlers and Art Mawinney. Uh, Rotor is trying to hack into Nicole to figure out her origins because, you know, for 
little refresher. When they first found her, she was a crash-landed shooting star found in, like, this little shell that just opened itself up as time passed. So there's—so this computer is just a mystery to him. So suffice to say, he can't break through the firewall because it was done—it was built in such a way where she has, like, this flashback of her creation— where the future versions of Rotor Sally and Sonic all came together to build her, and that Rotor made a firewall so no one can figure out that she is from the future. But in the present, Rotor does give it up, but he said that seeing all this little uh, security was inspired to improve his own cybersecurity, to which we then see Eggman in an Arctic base trying to hack into the knothole systems, but being unable to because that firewall is just too dang strong. That's the end of 119. What did I say when not much happened in this comic? Nothing happened. Yeah, this was ju- that was just, you know, for fun. You gotta have your little bit of filler. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not angry about it. It's just, it is what it is. So let's move on quickly to 120. So this first story done by Carl Bowlers are by Butler. So Mina, Mina Mongers. You know who Mina Mongers is, Jackal? I don't actually. This, this is the first time I've seen her. Her situation is that she literally was created to be like the third in a love triangle between her, Sonic, and Sally. And she was created explicitly by like editor's mandate. I don't think I've ever mentioned that before, but... Yes. So, very important question. Why not just use Amy? You know, that is an excellent point. I don't know why they didn't. They chose not to use Amy. I, I'm sure that's a question we'll all just have to go to the grave with. We're never going to get an answer to that. So, anyway. Mina, she, we just see her swooning over Sonic, and after her mom comes into her room, she asks, Hey, how did you meet Dad? With her saying, long story short, I, I just did stupid things and got your father's attention. Do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? Well, they are freedom fighters, so I guess what other way will? So uh, Mina takes that by, she buys this Chinese dress to just simply run into Sonic with. She does, they meet, and Sonic's a little bit flustered and runs off. With that uh, failing in her mind, her plan B is to join the freedom fighters and trains with them all day, running with Sonic, flying the tornado with Tails, Take swords lessons with Antoine, com- little computers with Rotor. At the end of the day, she comes home to her mom exhausted, but she is happy. The next day, with the whole group, Mina is excited to take part more with the Freedom Fighters, but Mina's mom pulls Sonic aside saying, Look, listen, Sonic, like, Mina really likes you. She really looks up to you. Please don't put my daughter in danger. Sonic is like, don't, don't worry about it. I, I got this. Right as the ground begins to shake. And Sonic finds that it's an oversized Eggman robot stomping into Knothole, no way to break into its shell. Mina has no idea what to do, but the orphan kids that she knows run to her for safety and simply shields them with her body as the robot is about to stomp them. But Rotor hacks into it at that moment and becomes immobile. Now after this, Mina shortly quits being a freedom fighter, knowing she just got into it for the wrong reason. And outside, Sonic and Tails are on their way out elsewhere, but they hear Mina singing in the distance. Thinking she's really good, Sonic separates from Tails and follows the voice. The B story. Well, you know what? Before we get into that, considering the context I gave you just about Mina, I think this might actually be the first time we're starting to see, like, a little bit of character come out of her. Really? This is the, like, how long has she been around at this point? 20, 25 issues. This is a weekly or monthly chapter? Or a monthly comic. Monthly. So about two years worth of time. And it's just now that she's getting character? 
Well, I mean, she did have like the baseline character established. Like we knew who we knew her who she was. We knew what she was supposed to do. We know the role she's supposed to be playing. But like we don't really get too much complexities out of her. But mm. we're starting to see something bloom here. So getting, this is getting... this is a positive. The B story by Ken Penders, art by Don Best. So Julie Sue and Mighty are at the docks. They're reminiscing about Knuckles, their their fallen brother. Mighty just tells her a story about how he first met Knuckles. He broke out of a robotnik prison and just met Knuckles outside and tells Mighty he's from the nearby floating island and asks, like, are you the only survivor? Is anyone else free too? Mighty just says, no, I, I have no one to go back to. Can, can, I, can I pause on that for a second? Because I, I took note of this specific line. Knuckles goes, any friends and family around? Not anymore, they're gone. Yeah, bummer. because they are all roboticized. <laughs> it, it's just Knuckles' reaction to that, just bummer. Like, yeah. I get it, dude. You, you spent most of your life alone, but come on, man. Show uh, a little bit more. Uh, I get it. I get it. So yeah, bummer, per Knuckles' words. Knuckles just offers to bring him back to the floating island and, you know... Be, be one of the boys. And that's the end of that story. I think that was like maybe three pages or so. However, we have a final uh, treacheryary story. I do not think I said that word correctly, but I'm sticking with it. Tertiary, I think, is the word you're looking for. Tertiary. There we go. This was written by Romy Chacon. I went a little bit into this in the last episode, Jackal, but just for your context... This is just a writer who we, like, legitimately have no information about. So much to the point where even to this day, to this day, we still have theories as to who this person could be. Suffice to say, the popular theory is that this editor, or I gave it away. This person is one of the editors, J.F. Gabri, which if that's true, he's basically paying himself to write stories for the comic that he's an editor for. Which is a conflict of interest, so that's pretty cringe. <laughs> that is very cringe. They wrote it. Art Mawini did the art. Very quickly, Sally took a walk with her mom, and after the breeze picks up, she gives her mom the vest to keep warm, and inside... That is twice now you've done this to me. Oh, yeah, we talked this a that little is bit. Um, <laughs> we yeah. talked about it in the pre-show, but now I gotta bring it up. That is twice now I've had to look at this because of you. Okay, look, listen, at least this one is not voyeuristic, Okay. You're right. But? I, I don't understand why she took off the jacket. She Her mom is wearing more clothes than her to begin with. Well, you know, you got me there. Can't uh, say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but to oh, okay. suffice to say, uh, Sally's mom finds her royal signet inside the vest kept on a chain. Sally's saying that she doesn't want to just wear it out on missions and just lose it since her mentor Jalela gave her the vest before she passed away. And instantly, Sally remembers a very important thing. So she takes her mom to Rosie's house to pay their respects at her grave and to thank her for all she's done for them. And of course, the story ends with, like, Jalela's, like, ghost head in the clouds looking down at them at their grave. Like, yeah, I, I understand what emotion you're supposed to evoke here, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't help but feel this is kind of silly. A little bit. Uh, well, whatever. Who cares about that? Let's move on to the actual meat of this episode with Sonic number 121. We're going to... This is where the part of the episode where the story moves along, folks. So, this first story written by Benny Lee, art by Ron Lim. The king and queen ask Sonic for an important mission with Sally 
go out into the world and find her brother Elias, who is since ran away from the responsibilities he's had to hold as a regent. Jeffrey and Hershey were already sent out to go find him, so just be backup for them. We see Jeffrey and Hershey in their plane taking defensive maneuvers, getting chased down by Eggman's missiles, and they make a hard landing in the nearby forest, near a village, alerting the villagers to go check out the sound. Now we see one of these villagers, who is visibly pregnant, tell her husband about the situation, and wouldn't you know it, her husband is Elias, just chopping wood away without a care in the world. What a guy, what a life to live. How long has he been gone, by the way? Uh, I guess like... In-universe, I should say. In-universe, like maybe a two months, I'd say. Maybe Damn, less than that. fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Jeffrey and Hershey introduce themselves to the villagers, saying, Eggman's invading your lands. We come from the kingdom of Acorn to protect you. Will you stand up and fight with us? Uh, Elias sees this, but walks away with his wife, Meg is her name, saying, he wants nothing to do with war or politics. I just want to live my life in peace. And Meg asks, is this stuff part of this past you refuse to speak of? And uh, ignoring that, we move on uh, into their home. Elias recognizes that I should have known from the get-go running away wouldn't solve anything. As Meg comes home with Jeffrey and Hershey, they immediately recognize him and do the whole like on one knee my liege stuff to him and say, all right, like you got to come back with us. So Elias refuses to come until Eggman robots break in, take them all hostage, to which Eggman physically comes out to them saying, oh, not only did I just get the prince, but also his wife and unborn child. I consider that a big W for Eggman. Right as Sonic comes in to smash these robots. Good job. Good job. So Sonic and the rest of the Freedom Fighters invite the villagers to fight with them. And they all smash the robots and chase away Eggman. So Sally, she's ecstatic to find out that Elias is okay and that she's going to be an aunt. But Elias still insists, I don't want to go back to Knothole. I don't want to be the crown prince anymore. But you came all this way, so you might as well stay for dinner. And that's where that story ends. Can I have some chili dogs? I sure hope so after that long trek. I was disappointed when Sonic's like, yo, I got the villagers with me. We're going to beat some Eggman robots. And then it skips the fight. Uh, That's actually pretty common, I'm not going to lie, as of recently. Because uh, we have more important storytelling to tell, you know? Yeah, like dead knuckles. Exactly. Glad you're catching on. One thing that I've noticed as of late, as if with like, like I mentioned before, Benny Lee and Carl Bowlers are the same, they're the same person. They're just doing different styles, I guess, of storytelling. I do find it interesting that even though Benny Lee is doing these more like comical stories, whereas Carl Bowlers does more serious, heavy, emotional storytelling, either way, plot still continues on. I'm low-key kind of surprised that it took so long for people to make a connection because people found out, just to remind you, people found out when Ken Pender spilled the beans on his forum saying, oh yeah, Benny Lee and Carl Bowlers are the same person. LOL. Ken Penders, you can't just out a guy like that. Yeah, well, I guess it's been years, so maybe he can. Story B. Ken Penders writing, Mawini doing the art. So, we open... Now, on Knuckles' funeral procession, I can't believe I just said those words. Fuck. Can't believe they did this to my boy. Man, this comic is fucked up. So, A little bit. 
So also I should point out uh, his fur is not green anymore. We see his body laying on the casket, uh, flowers in his hands, uh, you know, press up from a boy. His body is uh, resting on display, surrounded by friends and family, namely, you know, Julie Sue, his parents, and the Chaotix. And as uh, they all pay their respects, we see the scene panning out, and we see the ghost of Knuckles commenting on seeing his own funeral, now surrounded by his deceased ancestors. One of them, by the name of Stephen Wolf, mentions that due to the Guardian's connections to the Chaos Force, they don't really die, but stay bound to the different planes of existence. Now, Jackal! Jackal! This is Star Wars. This is very Star Wars. It's literally Why are called they Force the, Ghosts. It's called the fucking Chaos Force. Ken Penders, you've done it again. You've done it <laughs> you've again. You've done it, Ken Penders. I, I died when I saw these panels. Like, wait a minute. This is just Force Ghosts again. You, you ripped off George Lucas. How could you? I cannot believe. I am so. I am so mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Also, I'm glad the one Knuckles. Got to got to take his hat home with him. Got to be a force ghost with this hat. Yeah, that's very important. I'm glad to see very, it too. Very important. <laughs> this uh uh chaos force ghost, as I am legally obligated to refer to them as, explains to Knuckles Har or his name is Harlan. Explains to Knuckles, don't try to get the people's attention. The living can't see you, just as you can't see to the plane beyond. Those that reside directly in the Chaos Force, such as Athair and the Ancient Walkers, can't see them either. And as the procession continues, light bays the area around them, and these two red chow fly down from the light. Stephen Wolf saying, oh, this is a sign. One of us has been chosen to be brought into the Chaos Force. Oh, who is it going to be? Surprise, it's Knuckles. What? Who could have guessed? It's almost like one of them is the main character or something. Fuck. So, even though this isn't even his comic anymore. Ken Penders, you just, you just keep playing us. So the story ends with just the light disappearing, and Knuckles presumably being brought up into the heavens, and the processioner ends the sermon by just saying, may Aurora guide and protect you. That's the end of that story. I can't believe we just got four pages that just made me insanely mad. Not even, not mad <laughs> mad, just funny mad. You know, it's like, ooh, it's you've like, done wait it. a minute. You've done it. You've, you've fucking done it again, Ken. Oh, Why do we keep letting you write this, Ken Penders? Can't just steal from Lucas like that. I think he just got, like, grandfathered in at this point. Like, you know what? We can't stop this. We, like, we, we, can't, we can't get rid of him. He's written we, too much. We can't let this genie back in the bottle. We just gotta deal with it. We're sorry, God. <laughs> We're sorry, Aurora. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, the last story, of course, uh, Romy Chacon wrote, uh, Butler did the art. So, I think this is continuing on from the a previous comic. So, Mina is seen on stage, nervous to sing. Sonic volunteered her to lead uh, a concert for Nothole. She's nervous, low-key a little mad at Sonic, but she just kind of goes for it. Starts singing, and the people really like it. Even Sally, while she's working in the castle, overhears her and stops to listen. And at the end, Mina is basically still on this high, runs and embraces Sonic, to which Sally looks down at them, feeling dejected, and just walks away from the window and gets back to work. That's the end. This, of is, an this is an important. But Nicole calls the music overrated, and because she is a computer 
that means that is factual. This music is overrated. Ooh, I get. You know, I didn't think of that. Hmm. That's a fair point. That's a fair argument. But now do you see what I meant earlier on when I said that Mina basically just exists to be the third wheel? Yeah, no, she's definitely the third wheel. And again, you already had Amy. Why would you create this poor girl just to, just to have her heart broken? And they introduced her by slowly coming to the fact... Oh, wait, I didn't mention this. She also has super speed similar to Sonic. So they have like that little, little bit more of a connection, I guess. Why is she not actually a freedom fighter? Like, I mean, I saw from that last comic, but you would think, like, hey, super speed, you'd probably make a good freedom fighter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. This is what happens when you create one-note characters that have this kind of a situation, you know? Yeah. So let's move on to number 122. It's the first story uh, written by Carl Bowlers, art by Axer. So we open. Sonic's dad is teaching him the guitar, not being able to play himself, unfortunately, due to the roboticization. But comment Sonic is still playing well. You're doing a good job. And a crowd gathers to hear Sonic play, one of which is Mina uh, approaching, starting to sing along. Meanwhile, Sally is allowed to be let go into town by her parents, and as she goes in, she follows the sound of music and finds Sonic and Mina jamming out, much to her chagrin. And that's where Bunny comes in to find her in the crown, and as I describe in my notes, in a scene which fails the Bechdel test, Sally says that she thought she and Sonic were meant to be together since they were kids, but Bunny interjects by saying, hey look... Sonic thinks the world of you, but does he know that you feel the same way? Good question. But also, yeah, that super failed the Bechdel test. Yeah, I I think that joke just explains itself. Moving on. So right as Sonic and Mina finish the song, Sally and Bunny get ambushed by Knack the Weasel with his gang of weasels on airbikes and run them into Knothole, knocking out Sally in the process. The Freedom Fighters end up fighting them off, Knack escapes with Sally, but they take one of them prisoner. They try to get this guy to talk, but he refuses. All, But he only ends up saying that only Sally was taken because she's the princess, and the king will pay a nice fat ransom. That's when King Max himself comes in. The weasel laughing seeing him wheelchair-bound, which is ableist, kids. Don't you do that. They're... Don't do that. They are definitely abled, but they deserve our respect nonetheless. Especially if they're the fucking king. What the hell is wrong with you? You know, and he has a bunch of really buff guards. This was a terrible idea. Yeah, that, and at that moment, uh, he politely asked the Freedom Fighters to leave the room as he asked for his boys, the big boys, as I should refer to them as, to enter, and the door is slammed shut. Minutes later... The king comes out, says that his guards were, quote, persuasive to him, and he admits that Sally was taken to this old mansion that belonged to Nax's estate. And after gaining the direction, Sonic runs to the coordinates without thought before Max is even able to formally ask him to take care of the problem. For the last, the last bunch of things I've seen with King Max, I've not liked King Max. Uh, this and a later comic, I actually really do enjoy King Max. Yeah, because you know what? Like, let's be real. Threatening someone physically is based. It's very based. Don't do that, kids. But it is based. Everything I say is parody and should not be taken seriously. Anyway, story B uh, is written by Ken Penders. The art is done by Mawinnie. So we now see Knuckles being taken to the afterlife. 
and tries to call out to the chow that's taking him, reaches out to them, but his hands phase through them and their image fades away. So Knuckles just shouts out to the void until a figure of an echidna woman appears and calls herself Aurora. In reality, she says she's the embodiment of the Chaos Force, and they only see what they imagine the form as. So, in other words, if this would have been Sonic, he probably would have seen some, like, hedgehog god. Knuckles is meeting god right now. We need to emphasize this. Yes, Knuckles is leading god, and god is a woman. Ken Penders is truly a feminist icon. (laughs) Ken-based Penders. (laughs) So... This Aurora tells Knuckles that she came to his father years ago as a vision of Armageddon, where Knuckles was the only hope for salvation. As Locke cared for Laura Lee while she was pregnant, when it came time for Knuckles to hatch, Locke subjected Knuckles to the Chaos Energy Radiation Bath, and then when Knuckles became three years old, that's where Laura Lee drew a line in the sand saying, Locke, you're starting Knuckles' education a year earlier than usual. Like, you gotta calm down here. You know, I know he's gonna be the guardian, but, like, let him enjoy his childhood at least. To which Locke says, his destiny, Knuckles' destiny, has been preordained. Years pass, and after the divorce, Locke took custody of Knuckles, and began, and that's where he began his training as a guardian of Angel Island. The fact that Kenders wrote in this divorce storyline will always baffle me. Yeah, this is kind of needless, you know? Actually, yeah, no, it really is. This this doesn't add anything. Truth be told, all the bullshit with Knuckles has been needless to them the get-go, so who am I to complain at this point? You know what, fair enough. On that note, uh, this next story was also written by Ken Penders, art done by Don Best. So while Knuckles is having fun in the afterlife, Julie Sue is in Knuckles' home overlooking his belongings, and Vector comes in, asking what she's doing, and immediately get into a fight. I guess Vector forgot to drink his respect women's juice this morning. You know, it happens to the best of us, King. But regardless, they get over it, and eventually, Vector tells the story of how he met Knuckles. Knuckles literally tripped over him. Vector, like, basically got in his face and threatened him, not knowing he was the Guardian. Sicked him in the face, Knuckles responds in kind. And eventually, Vector tells Knuckles that he found people on another side of the island, one of them being Dr. Robotnik trying to set up shop. And also, that's where uh, Knuckles meets uh, Cat Weasel, that bird. Does that name ring a bell to you at all, Jackal, or no? No, not in the slightest. Uh, Basically, he uh, terrorizes Knuckles on the daily. He's just a bird. Speaking of which, uh, at that moment, that's where uh, Cat Weasel just decides to poop on Vector's head, so that's epic. Julie Sue figures Vector has more bark than bite, but, you know, ultimately he has a good heart, so keep the secret for Knuckles' sake. And really, he only lashed out at Julie Sue when he saw her going through Knuckles' stuff, and despite their differences at the end of the day, we both love Knuckles and we'll miss him. Everybody loves Knuckles. That's the end of that issue, and yes, they do genuinely love Knuckles. So you know what? We're starting to see some common ground and, you know, the relationship is is starting to become a lot more warmer between each other. Kind of sucks that they had to kill off the main fucking character to do main character to do that. But you know what? Do what you got to do, Ken. Go off, King. Whatever. (laughs) Why would you do it, man? Why would you kill the green boy? Sad. First off, why would you make him green in the first place? Whose idea was that? Was Uh, it Ken? Well, obviously, yes. Of course it was Ken. Green Knuckles is not a good look for him. It really isn't. It's pretty ugly. But whatever. So, number 123. Bowlers wrote, uh, Jaxer did the art. So, 
Hot off the heels of the last story, Sonic arrives at the mansion to rescue Sally. Mina followed him by herself and isn't able to talk her out of it. So Sonic has no choice but to uh, go in with her. And inside the mansion, Sally asks Knack why kidnap. And the answer was the same. This is all about just getting some ransom money. Sally mentions that, well, from what I heard about you, Knack, I'm surprised you'd be, you wouldn't be above something so bullshit like this. But guess I heard differently. And Knack takes this offense personally, saying, who told you what? What would you do so differently, huh? To which Sally counter-offers, well, why don't you let me join your gang and I'll keep pretending I'm a hostage and my parents can pay you for my safety indefinitely. So Knack and his boys are a little surprised by this offer. Sally asking, why are you so surprised? My parents controlled my life and my wealth. This is my chance to get back at them, huh? And Knack doesn't disagree even says he relates and even offers her his gun as a peace offering, leading Sally to leap out of her chair, kick Knack in the groin, snatch his gun from him, and wax him over the head with it, knocking him out cold on the ground. Go off, Sally. See, see, uh, Ken Penders, this is feminism. This, this, this is the this true is feminism. feminism. <laughs> this is better than that girl's comic we reviewed last time. I'm sorry, I'm having a war flashback right now. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sally points the gun at the other boys who are, you know, pointing theirs in, re- in retaliation. And Sally says, all right, listen, don't be dumb. Put the guns down. Sonic breaks down the door, asking to split up with Mina to cover more ground. And as Sally's making her escape, the boys fire to her back. As Sally responds by firing Nax gun, the goons pull in towards them as in next frame, guns out of their hands, taken by Sonic and uh, end up being knocked out cold, based. Sally then sees Sonic, thanks him for saving her and embracing him with a kiss. Unknown that Mina is in the doorway watching this and her heart not just breaks, but shatters. And I say shatter because one of the panels, I actually really do like this, is a visual effect of her panel becoming shattered glass and breaking. I think that's a nice touch. It it is a good panel. I will 100% agree with you there. Mina runs off in tears as Sonic and Sally walk out to look for her. Knack comes behind them, having Sally in the crosshairs. Mina sees him take aim and speeds to interrupt the path of the bullet. And takes the shot for Sally, but to extension for Sonic 2. Knack just sees this and goes like, oh, fuck. I'm out of here. Uh, mm, That's not what I was expecting. Uh, a goodbye. So he fucks off, and Mina looks into Sonic's eyes, admits she loves him as she loses consciousness. Then later on, Mina wakes up in the hospital room. Everyone's saying, don't worry about it. You'll get better. And the only thing she says, she looks over to Sally, direct quote, I guess we got something else in common, huh? I don't know where you're pulling, I, I'm going to be honest, the scans I'm reading didn't include that. It, it goes from, you know, her getting shot, convince, confessing her love, to the next story. Wow, really? Yeah. That's, that's fucked up. They really did them dirty. So... That's the end of it. Like, that's 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 the end of this story, number one. But, like, that's kind of fucked up that they cut off the last page. And that's pretty fucking crucial, man. I'm like, what happened to her? Is she, she dead? Did she die? <laughs> Did she die? No, she's not dead. Yeah, so she's okay. Although, I do have some weird qualms about ending it 
on Mina looking at Sai saying, oh, we got something else in common now, huh? It's like, come on. That's too much. Like, she got shot in the fucking back. A little too much. Come on. <laughs> well, she's okay, and that's all that matters. So, story B. We have uh, Ken Penders writing, Moini doing the art. And, of course, Knuckles, still in the afterlife, is reliving his memories with Aurora. He sees him as a kid talking to Sally, you know, being taught by his dad, uh, you know, growing up. Then sees his dad walk into the fire, scarring him emotionally for the rest of his life, becoming the guardian of the island. And despite the fact that he did feel prepared to become guardian at the moment, just didn't want his dad to leave him. Fair argument for a uh, 14-year-old. Respectable not the right word. Understandable is what it's, I meant to say. It's understa- Yeah, it is understandable. Because you know what? Uh, he said being guardian wasn't too hard until he showed up, meaning Sonic. So, good to know that uh, Knuckles' life was relatively peaceful until he just meets Sonic the Hedgehog. Which, you know, I think is a very, like, apt relationship for most people uh, who play Sonic the Hedgehog games. (laughs) I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure my life was pretty peaceful until I played Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Sad. Then we just see, like, the recap episode of, like, Knuckles' life up to that point. Meeting the Chaotix. uh, The carnival where they fought Metal Sonic. Julie Sue meeting her and fighting Enerjack, and also remembers the first time that something might be different with him, which was the story where he got singed by lava, but healed incredibly quickly. So yeah, it was just a recap episode, nothing special there. So the last story, Carl Bowlers wrote this with uh, Art Mawini doing the art. So Sonic wakes up one morning to find his dog Mutsky missing, but also his parents are missing. And according to the rest of Knothole, All of the Robians are missing. So, uh, yeesh. So Sonic, uh, leads out to search. Then three weeks later, Sonic gets word from the Freedom Fighters that are out in the Deerwood Forest. Mutsky's there, and they go find him. And he's de-roboticized, along with all the other former Robians, namely Uncle Chuck and his mom. And none of them remember how they became de-roboticized. So... We're already, like, slapped in the face with, like, like shattering stuff to this comic. Yeah, I read that. I'm like, wait, that that's it? They're just, they're just normal again? Yeah, they're just normal again, which, that's Carl Bowlers for you. Things just happen, and they happen like this, you know? One Robian remained missing, Sonic's dad. But one day, he just reappeared. He doesn't remember what happened either, but he's still roboticized. So Chuck uh, tries to find a way to de-roboticize him himself, but to no avail. And as time passed, Jules began to feel like an outsider with his own family. He can't eat with them. He can't sleep like them. Man feels bad. Which leads Sonic to go to Robotropolis and ask Eggman, just screaming into the sky, Yo Eggman, why did you de-roboticize everyone except my dad? To which Eggman comes up saying, why the fuck would I do that, Sonic? I literally have no reason to do that. In fact, I'd be hindering myself if I do that. Fuck off. Back into the forest, Sonic is with his family, says, yeah, I kind of do believe Eggman. I don't think he did it. To which Jules says, all right, you know what, Sonic? Let this rest. I may still be roboticized, but no one else is. So you know what? Let's celebrate that everyone else is okay. What doesn't change? We're still a family. We're here. We're happy, we're together. After all this time, that's all I want. Sonic agrees, but deep down inside, he still wants to know the truth. Wouldn't de-roboticizing him get him killed? 
Because the whole reason we roboticized him is because he was dying. That's an excellent catch, Jackal. Good job. I'm proud of you. Yay. So, and we'll get a proper answer to that in the future. Okay, good. But to spoil it, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. I was there for that comic. I remember this. You were there. Now let's move on to Sonic number 124. Now, this is the real meat of the episode. If you're already, like, if you're not buckled in already, get double buckled. Because we're gonna get some heavy shit here. And I say heavy shit because this story introduces itself by calling itself Sonic Adventure 2.5. So this better be fucking good. Right on the cover is my boy Shadow. He's finally here. He's finally here Again. properly. So, Carl Bowlers wrote this one all by himself, uh... Axer and Butler did a double duty on the art. So, like I said, this is calling itself Sonic Adventure 2.5. So, we open right at the end of where SA2 ends off. Super Shadow's in space, a little disoriented, and sees a spaceship coming towards him. And Shadow recalls the story. You know, you know the story. We've all played Sonic Adventure 2. He was freed, quest for revenge, Sonic helped him see the reality of the situation, and sacrificed himself for Mobius. But when he was falling to the planet, he was rescued by an alien ship that was in orbit, piloted by aliens called the Bem. Which, number one, I need to point out, these we saw these aliens before in the last episode. They abducted Sonic, Tails, Eggman, and Snively, and like roboticized Sonic and Tails, de-roboticized Robotnik and Eggman. The story there is that they were just like doing a test to see like which is superior, quote unquote. And the winners would be changed back to their original form. Losers would be kept in the state they were changed into. You know what happened. You can guess. So wait, is Robotnik not a robot anymore? Nope. Eggman and Snively are uh, humans or overlanders. They're flesh. They're flesh. Huh. I guess that's one way to status quo everything. I guess so. And also, like, this is another uh, point of the comic where they deviate from the com- for the game lore. Aliens saved Shadow, whereas in the games, Eggman did. Blah, blah, We know, we know, we know we're here. Honestly, I kind of buy the aliens more than I buy, you know, him surviving that fall like, and Eggman just happening to find him. You know what? Fair enough. I think it's fine. What can they do about it? Well, they, they didn't introduce that lore until a couple years later. What were they supposed to do, huh? They're not mind readers. Was Sonic Heroes out at this time? No. No. Oh, wow. So they, they brought Shadow back before the games even did. Yeah, but this was part of it. You know, because, listen, well, for one thing, I want to say, like, you're all aware of that lore. Like, if you're listening to this fucking podcast and you're not, and you don't know that, like, Shadow was saved because of Eggman, like, this is too deep lore for you. You got to climb back up a little <laughs> closer to the light. You, th- you're not ready go, go for play, this. Go play Sonic Heroes. You're not ready Shadow for this. You're not ready for this podcast, okay? Go learn a little bit more about Sonic. Go play some fucking Sonic Heroes or something. You're not ready. Now any, now that I scared off my audience, uh, they nursed Shadow back to health while he was unconscious, and they awoke him by filling his body up with chaos energy, enough to awaken his super state, and immediately asked him to go fight a threat while they escape. And Shadow is flying toward the spaceship to attack them, but is hit directly with an energy blast and falls back down to the planet... His only thought being, here I go again. Yeah, wait a minute, this this just puts us back at the cannon anyway. <laughs> We're just, th- this shit's too circular, man. Like, come on. On the surface, uh, Knothole. Sonic wakes up to Tails wondering, oh, Sonic, you think we're gonna have a fun little adventure today? You know, I'm so pumped up, I wanna go do something. 
Sonic says, like, nah, I, I got something I need to take up. But, hey, you know, we got more times for adventures. Wait, you know, come on. Let's just give us some time. And he leaves passing his family for breakfast, saying he's got a royal date today. And by the next panel, we see Sonic and Sally making out. That's fucking cringe. Very cringe. Sally asks if Sonic is ready to, quote, pop the question. Sonic being enthusiastic about that. And then we see the ship that Shadow was fighting moving over Station Square. And inside, we see the president talking to Eggman. Eggman's offering an alliance between the two. And the president refuses, which prods Eggman to remotely control his limo onto oncoming traffic, about to head-first bump into a semi. And Eggman pulls the car back at the last second, saying, Well, maybe your successor will be more willing to do business. And that's where Rouge comes in flying to save the president as the limo dives off into a bridge into the sea. Roots tries to go back for the driver, but right then and there, the sky dome breaks. So, a lot happened here, Jackal. Do you have any thoughts? I, I'm i going to be honest, and I, I, I don't like I don't like dunking on the art style. I don't like the way Rouge looks in this comic. Hey, fair enough, you know? I Something about it just doesn't sit with me. Also, that driver's fucking dead. Oh, yeah, they, uh... They gotta deal with aliens now. Gotta do what you gotta do. It's sad. Sorry, Mr. Driverman. Uh, rest in peace. Scene shift. Back in Knothole, Sally and Sonic are talking to her parents. Sally is basically asking her parents' permission for Sonic to be the royal consort to her, who will someday have her hand in marriage, to which Max and Alicia agree with, with gusto, excitedly. Which I have to stop and say, uh, were you there jackal or was it someone else i don't remember but there was that scene where like sally did ask her dad about like having some interest in sonic be her husband and therefore the king to which max was like what the fuck no that's goddamn bullshit so i i, I guess sonic <laughs> no i wasn't won- here for that i guess sonic won him over is the point look i mean it, it doesn't help that we've also seen multiple futures where no Sonic and Sally are together in the future. This is inevitable. It is inevitable, yes. During that scene, a tremor hits. Sonic's springing into action immediately. Sonic, Tails, and Bunny come together and run to the source and find a crater. And in the middle, Shadow depowered. Now, in my mind, this is not in the art, but in my mind, as I'm reading this notes, the only thing I can think of is the, uh, is the DBZ pose. You know what I mean. Oh, the Yamcha pose? The Yamcha pose. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> that should have been what they put there. Can someone do that? I, I know we got artists around here. I want to see some Shadow in the Yamcha pose. Come on. There's something about Shadow's coloration that bothers me, and I can't put my finger on it. What do you mean? Like, the shading is off? I don't know if it's a shading or what. Just something feels off about him. I don't know. I guess that's just the art style, you know? You gotta deal with it. It might just be... Sonic is surprised, thinking Shadow was dead, to which Shadow, like, immediately bolts up in a panic and swings his fist, hitting Sonic. Shadow's like, oh, wait, shit, I'm sorry, man. I I thought I was still in combat. I'm sorry. Sonic rushes to fight back, only for Sally to step in the middle to calm him down. Sorry, real quick. I found the issue I was having. It's his tuft of fur on his on the front of him, really? where it's that orange color. Because I'm like, I knew something's wrong. I look him up. That's normally white. There's a tuft of orange. I guess my mind filled in like the rest. Because truth be told, I wasn't paying super attention to the art. But 
I guess when I was like glancing at everything, I guess my mind just filled in that the 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 fur tuft was white. Shit. That's what was bothering me. N- Sally says Nicole picked up a signal from the castle asking for the freedom fighters. So Sonic put this thing with Shadow aside for later. Let's go. And now back in the castle, this signal came from Eggman, who's earnestly asking for help, telling the freedom fighters that a ship came down from the city, destroyed it, and now Snively's missing. Sonic doesn't believe what he's saying, but Shadow thinks he's telling the truth. Says, that was the same ship I fought when uh, I was in orbit, which they then get a transmission from Rouge. Bad signal, cutting out a lot, but the gist is she said that the station square was attacked and the president was injured. And Sonic ultimately asked, who's responsible for all this? And right there, right at that moment, every single intelligent life form on Mobius received a telepathic message from the people on the ship, another alien race called the Zorda, sentient, one-eyed, octopi-looking creatures. First thoughts on what you're looking at, Jackal. I... I was not prepared. I... Who? Why? If you're not prepared what? for that, you're not going to be prepared for this. Triple buckle now. A millennia ago, the Zorda came to Earth to offer peace and an alliance, but the emissary they sent was captured, imprisoned, and dissected. The response was, quote, strong from them. The Zorda bombed the planet with gene bombs designed to exterminate life and restart from zero, so they thought, but they came back to, quote, finish the job. Eggman, still on the line with Max, continues to plead for help, but Max cuts off the call mid-sentence. Go off, King Max. Go off, go off, King Max, literally. Everyone's like, why did you do that? To which King Max just sits up and says, for the first time in his life, he is scared. He's not robotic anymore, so let's let him panic. We'll call him back in a bit. This is to our advantage. <laughs> and asked Rotor, build a communication device with the Zorda. I want to put out some specific wording they used there, because I didn't catch it the first time around, and I think you were probably about to bring it up. The Zorda went to Earth. Yes. This is Mobius. Yes. I didn't catch that the first time until Sonic mentioned that. It's very important. So yes, as Jackal said, Sonic comments why they're here. Quote, this is Mobius, not Earth. What's going on? So Max then calls the Brotherhood for their input, and Sonic asks Locke where Knuckles is, and that's where he tells them, Knuckles is dead. Yeah, why didn't y'all call, Knuckles, call Sonic for the funeral? Oh, that's a little... that That's rude. That's pretty fucking rude. Or Sally, for that matter. They were childhood friends. Yeah, what and the fuck? she's the princess. What the fuck, man? They were allies. Strategic allies. You're not even... That's... Mm-mm-mm. Another L for Locke. Fuck you, Locke. Sally says, look, we unfortunately, we don't have time to mourn for Knuckles. So she and Nicole leave to go do some research... And Sonic asks why it took the Zorda over 3,000 years to realize what happened and why they're here and all that. To which Hope... Which, did, I, did I mention her to you? Do you know who this character is? No! And in my notes, I'm like, who is this girl and why does she look like Maria? Well, number one, good catch. Number two, this girl is a relative of Eggman. I think is her niece or something. Alright, that explains why she looks like Maria. So she came uh, with... Her stepdad, Colin, who's Eggman's brother. They were overlanders that were out in space after the Great War. They left Mobius to look for a new home. Uh, they couldn't, so they came back. 
and they stayed in Robotropolis for a little bit until Sonic revealed the big plan. Uh, Eggman is holding all of them hostage and wants to roboticize them, blah, blah, blah. But Eggman was just like, yeah, okay, whatever you guys want to do and let them all leave. And they all dispersed and were sent back to Station Square. But Hope decided to stay in Knothole and they allowed her to do so. So that's her story. And now Shadow gets to look at somebody who looks like Maria. Because this man has not suffered enough in his life. No. And yeah, you are exactly right. There is one panel, or like it's about a half page of Shadow just looking at her very intensely, noting she looks like Maria. But regardless, she said on her spacecraft, uh, when they were out in space, they bumped into the Zorda and were attacked by that ship and they thought they escaped. So they inadvertently let them to Mobius. So, uh... Yikes. And at that moment, that's where Sally comes back saying, The Zorda were right. Mobius and Earth are the same planet. And that's the end of that story. That was a very, very meaty story. Before she revealed that they were the same planet, my mind went, Oh god, are we doing this two worlds bullshit? Do we need to talk about the two worlds bullshit? No, and thank god, we're no. not. Because, uh, even to like further this point, like I mentioned, uh, in the pre-show, which you can get on patreon.com slash science speed, only $5 a month. <laughs> anyway, what I mentioned before was that Carl Bowlers and Ken Penders are not, like, you know, communicating with each other, as you know, and are just writing as they go. You know, toes are being stepped on, lines are being crossed, no one's having fun in the back rooms. Ken Penders, he envisioned that Mobius was an alien planet separate from Earth, whereas Carl Bowlers basically got there first in saying that Mobius is a post-apocalyptic Earth. Because we saw that before. We saw in a previous issue, like, Sonic and Bunny going to, like, the ruins of New York City. We see a destroyed Statue of Liberty and all. Oof. That's... That's definitely not something you you wouldn't communicate about. You need... That is major lore. Yeah, that's that's major world building. And I can imagine when Ken Pender saw this, he's like, God damn it, not again. But you know what, Ken? That's kind of your fault for drawing things out. Just saying. You should have just... You should have told him. You should have told him. Speaking of Ken Penders, we do have a story B, surprisingly enough. Uh, wrote it him and Mawini did the arts. Aurora is planning on sending Knuckles to the great beyond. Knuckles asks why. Long story short, he has a destiny to play out. And that's not been reached yet. So Knuckles began his... uh. <clears throat> biological changes direct quote is when his chaos powers started to awaken but didn't fully become accustomed to them aurora she says knuckles basically you went supernova that's why you died and now i'm about to send you off to the chaos force here's a portal step through it you can't live a full life with your friends and julie sue to which the only thing she can say is sorry but one life is all one has and knuckles asks like well can I at least turn off the chaos energy and make my fur red again? Can you do that for me? Aurora says, like, well, I, I I could, but, like, you could have done that this whole time, you know? And he does so with no surprise to it. This is just, he could have just God. made himself look fucking normal this whole ass time. Just didn't think of it. Cool. <laughs> so he walks through the portal. And behind Aurora, a voice calls, quote, you really only live twice. And she recognizes that voice as a Thayer, saying she knew what Knuckles was from the start. So why did you play games with him? And she responds with, well, 
Just like you, Athair, you were a lost soul before the walkers gave you guidance, and now Knuckles knows his path. That's the end of 124. Time for the big one. The big one. The big boy one. Issue number 125. We've got another milestone issue. I feel like I'm just getting milestone issues like every other episode now. Maybe every two episodes. Yeah, because it's like, maybe I'm just going too fast. But this is Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? It's the name of the game. We're not even close to being done yet, though. (laughs) No, we're like barely two-fifths of the way through. Maybe not even. The ride never ends. The ride will never end, and I'm having fun, I like to think. So, issue number 125. Carl Bowlers, he's the big boy. He did all the work for this one so far. And Manak, Mawini, Best, and Lim, they all cut it up into four chapters, and they each did one. So, to start off, Sally tells the room the dates in which the Zorda bombed Earth do correspond with the mythical Days of Fury. So the chances of Mobius and Earth being the same planet are like 99%. So yes, they are. We can say that much. Locke says his computers ran some simulations. And yeah, we reached the same conclusion here in Haven. So let's try to bring contact to the Zorda ship. Which prompt Rotor to come ask Sonic to bring his device to the castle. Has Sally put it on to talk to the Zorda? So she shows up to their little hive mind beam. Says, listen, Zorda, your gene bomb wiped out the human race. And in the process gave rise to my race, the Mobo Sapien. The new dominant race on this planet, huh? And Zorda says, yeah, the Zorda says, oh yeah, we knew this from the get-go. But your race has, like, sizable enough human DNA, so that's good enough for us. We're going to destroy your planet regardless. And they force Sally out of their network. She rips off the helmet, slams it down, saying, it's no good. They're not going to listen. So Locke leaves to try to come up with another plan as Eggman interrupts the feed and offers a solution. A large mech called the Gigabot Prime. Yes, it does kind of look like Optimus Prime, but don't think about it too much, okay? Just don't think about it. We've taken enough. We've stolen enough for one for one episode. So, stands over 100 feet tall. It can level a mountain, but only Sonic can generate enough energy to power it. So, he reluctantly goes along to pilot it, but Max interjects, saying to Eggman, Sonic's services don't come for free. Currently, Eggman, you control 99.9% of the planet. Sonic will do it. But cede half of your territory to the kingdom of Acorn. And Eggman, furious at that, gritting his teeth just says, fine, cuts off communication. Again, this is why I really like King Max. (laughs) Fucking just knocking him out of the park. W after W after W. You love to see it. You love to see it. But man, King Max got them four aces and Eggman got the ejection. Yeah, Yeah. Sonic is about to head off. Sally insisting to go with him. And Sonic does not argue. So they go to Robotropolis, and Eggman leads them to pilot the robot. Sonic clamps into the pedals and just runs to turn it on. And it's walking through the city Robotropolis towards the Zorda ship and just punches it. Like, legit just like, pa. And to the Zorda's surprise by what they're looking at, it retreats into orbit. And upon victory, Eggman clamps Sonic's legs into the pedal, saying, Well... With the Zorda gone, I don't need to hold up to my promise, and I can use Sonic as a living battery for this robot to conquer the rest of Mobius. But, uh, before they do that, the Zorda drop their plan B. 
the greatest of their weapons, the quantum dial. Its gears will advance, and once it makes a full rotation, it will rupture the space-time continuum, open a black hole, and swallow the planet and the solar system as a result. Jackal, is this not overkill? They just want to wipe out there. This is super overkill. Yeah. I mean, good plan to destroy your enemies, but there's got to be a better way. Ooh, boy. I mean, like... The racism speaks miles. They are. They just looked at these people and said, "You got enough DNA, like good enough." Like, have we not gone through this? As have we not been better? We we should know. You know, sins of the father. Blah blah blah. Jesus Christ! The raw aggression of these aliens. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Much my angry. god. Eggman thinks that this is a joke and launches the Gigabot towards its landing spot, the Southern Tundra, as King Maps mobilizes troops to follow it. And we now move to the realm beyond. Knuckles asking again, do I have a second chance at life? Leading Ather to come in saying, quote, only those who are worthy get a second chance. And Knuckles, you are more than. And Aurora protests this saying, Knuckles, you have a higher calling with the chaos force. You are selfish to walk away from this. And Knuckles says, look, I'm doing this because I want to help my friends. How is that selfish? fair argument mm-hmm. knuckles saying that if i go back oh no yeah aurora says knuckles if you go back you're effectively walking away from your destiny and the natural order will be disturbed and knuckles will have firmly denied your destiny and knuckles you know chest puffed head held high fully accepts that and warps away and aurora is still upset with Athair's response just tapping her on the shoulder saying aurora Weren't you ever 16? Which I feel like kind of uh, misses the point here. But, uh, okay, sure. Boy, Knuckles just wants to save his friends. Yeah. He's doing the right thing, I think. Oh, he's definitely doing the right thing. So all weapons are ineffective against the dial. Missiles en route to it get disassembled by the time it enters a 50-foot radius. Commander Brass of Station Square notes they're dealing with highly advanced tech, so the only way we can deal with it is head on. So here, we see all Mobians from every walk of life, the freedom fighters of the planet, the armies of Station Square and the Kingdom of Acorn, including the Dark Legion, the Destructix, any other villain you can think of, have all come together to work against this planetary threat. Tiny Brain, uh, Avengers Endgame, Massive Gigabrain, this. I, I really adore this panel with the amount of people they got in. You got Sung Wukong here. I forget his name in this comic, but he's there. Big, the cats come to save the day. I'm the what you're going to do, Big, but go off. This is this is an everyone is here moment, and who does not love that, you know? That was specifically what I wrote in my notes. Everyone is here. And they're all here to save their home. Tails notices that the dial begins to move. And begins the mobilization of the Mobians. Shout out, let's do it to it. The defense system activates, shooting indiscriminately towards anything that moves. As the Gigabot flies in, unsurprisingly disassembles itself, freeing Sonic and Sally. Nicole and Rotor note, once the dial begins to move, it's not possible to stop it. Unless a counterforce activates to turn it back and make itself implode. Sonic offers to do it, but Rotor pushes back, saying, Sonic, the implosion means you're going to get caught in a crossfire here. Like, you might not make it back, you know? But Sonic says, 
I don't care. As long as everyone else is safe, I'll do what needs to be done. But Rotor interrupts saying he's detecting an, an energy spike. The dial's secondary defense system, a quantum wave which will affect everything around it in a 100-mile radius. A little overkill in my opinion, but go off. It's about to fire in three and a half seconds, but the energy wave stops suddenly disruptive along with the laser cannons destroying themselves. Then they see a pulse of green light in front of them, and out of it steps Knuckles in his regular red form, Julie Sue about to cry, can't believe her eyes. I don't blame her, her boyfriend's come back from the dead. Which you know what? We have brought the Jesus allegory to full circle. Oh my god. We've, oh no. We've done it, folks! Ken Pen this this is all you, Carl Bowlers. This is all you, but like I, I'm sure Ken Penders is smiling. This is okay. the one time he'll give his nod of approval. <laughs> Welcome back, Knuckles. I've missed you. Knuckles, Knuckles says he feels that his chaos powers are gone, and uh, that's what Athera and Aurora meant when they said that his destiny is being removed to him. So now it's all up to Sonic. So Sally begs Sonic not to do it. He will die. But Sonic says, well, if I don't, everyone's going to die. And Sally says, I regret not getting to spend more time with you, Sonic. They exchange the I love yous. And Sonic rushes to the dial. The force he builds up begins to turn the dial back. And the narration says, direct quote, How many times has Sonic risked his life for the greater good? Too many to count. But if he can do it one more time, it will all be worth it. And then the implosion begins in a flash of light. Tails looks onto the site. After it's all said and done, Sonic is nowhere to be seen. And thus... Everyone goes back home. The Freedom Fighters build a statue of Sonic in Knothole Square to honor his memory, leaving Sally to depressingly lament, wondering if she can ever accept what happened. Looks at the moon, which I also like to point out is, you know, destroyed as a result of the arc. Nice touch. Appreciate it. Thank you, Carl Bowlers. Love ya. As the world mourns the loss of their friend and ally. But we move to a far edge of the galaxy, specifically 849,000 light years away. A pillar of light hits an asteroid, and out of it, a passed out Sonic the Hedgehog. And that's the end of number 125. That was really well done. I really loved it, yes. That, no, 125 was really good. I felt that emotion from the last part, goddamn. Honestly, yeah, like... There, this was just a fun ride beginning to end. And, you know, having this, like, you know, status, super big status quo change. Like, everyone thinks Sonic is dead now, but he's just, he just got yeeted to the other side of the galaxy. Kind of based. I'm into it. I, I'm, and I'm, like, obviously they weren't going to kill him, but I'm glad there was still consequences anyway. Yes, I love it. And in fact, before the story even, or well, before the book itself ends proper... We finish with, like, a letter from Yuji Naka himself, and it gives you a good, like, retrospect. It's not a retrospective, but at the time, it's just saying, this is where the Sonic series at is at this point. So to give you guys, like, the mental timeline, Sonic Mega Collection and Sonic Adventure DX just came out of the GameCube, as did Sonic Advance 2 on the GBA, and Sonic X just began airing in Japan. So that's where the series is right now. Yeah, this is literally before... 
before Heroes happened. Okay, actually, if I had read that, I would have known this happened before Heroes. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just amazed. Like, I don't... <laughs> Like, it sucks to say, but, like, you really don't get, like, sincere stories where, like, wow, I actually like this. I actually enjoyed reading this. Everything just feels like a blur. So I'm glad that when it comes time for the milestone issues, they just fucking go off. And go off they did. Like, I'm, I want to know what happened to the aliens, and I'm sure we'll find out at some point. But, like, you know, Sonic, for all intents and purposes, to his friends, is dead. They're going to have to deal with that consequence for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they got shadowed kind of do the same thing but like yes and no like shadow yeah it's just not the same you know it's not it's not the same so let's not waste any time here let's what's going on with sonic what's going on with sonic number 126 benny lee wrote and butler does the art so right off the last story sonic is passed out and actually just asleep we see him snoring until a walker on the asteroid picks sonic up into their ship and he wakes up and sees these ant-like aliens speaking their language. And Sonic runs away thinking that, you know, he's freaked out, obviously. And sees them about to be attacked by wasp-like aliens. So Sonic, unknown what's going on, attacks the wasps and drives them away. The ants uh, thank Sonic in his language, having read his mind to learn it. And they give him, they, they come, they bring him back and give him a hero's welcome in their city they tell sonic he's on the planet thoraxia to their cancel they say their species the bloodics i have no idea how to pronounce that it's spelled b-l-o-d-x bloodics that, that's my assumption they say they've never heard of mobius we are not we're not a species capable of air or space travel and their uh longtime enemies the uh wasp which i am burdened to call the bzz, that's what they're called it's called BZZZ. They believe themselves to be the only ones worthy of uh, air travel or, or life for that matter. However, a de novo tradecraft will be landing on the planet tomorrow. It has transpatial warp, so that'll give you a chance to probably get home. But in the meantime, you wiped out our enemies, so we're going to welcome you with open arms. And he's given a tour of their city. Sonic is brought to a statue of one of another of their kind called the Apex, their first champion, holding six red Chaos Emeralds, who gave Apex the power to fight off the Biz thousands of years ago when they fell from the sky back then. So, let's take a big pause here, because I just said something a little shattering here. Six red Chaos Emeralds. In the comics thus far, the Chaos Emeralds we've seen on Mobius are number one in the tens of thousands, but they were also all green. So now we have the lore that all the other colors of Chaos Emeralds exist across this galaxy on several different planets, and also presumably an uncountable amount of them in total. That's that's a lot to take in, actually. Yeah, it is, because, like, when we just first learned that, like, oh yeah, thousands of Chaos Emeralds, but they're all green, like, okay, I guess that's just some weird note that they, like, never got to correct. Whatever, I can buy it. So now we're just gonna get this bombshell of, like, oh yeah, the rest of the Chaos Emeralds exist across the galaxy. LOL. Like, what? Huh? This this feels very much like, man, that might be harsh, but I was thinking, like, the Black Star Balls from GT specifically, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's a fair comparison. But yeah, like, no, it's not. But like, if that's what you feel, hey, what can I say? Sometimes you just get evoke, you evoke stupid things, you know. Now they came back, 
and even asked Sonic, would you be willing to stay on our planet and live as our new champion? And Sonic says, well, appreciate the offer, but uh, kind of already a champion of my home planet, so I gotta go back, you know? Like, no hard feelings, right? Hours pass, Sonic decides to get some rest until a large boost comes into the city and springs into action. This time, it's the Queen coming to make sure the job is done correctly and launches acid from her stinger, enough to melt buildings, by the way. So the people are in a panic, and Sonic rushes to the statue with the red Chaos Emeralds, thinking, well, I can go super with the green Chaos Emeralds, so I can probably go super with these red ones. Then in a bright light, powered by red chaos, as it's called, Super Sonic flies up to the city, shocking Biz in flight, flying right through the queen's head, kills her instantly. Supersonic lands in the cor- and among the crowd in adoration, we see Sonic, regular, a separate entity, saying, I didn't expect this to happen. You know, I've seen separate Supersonic somewhere before. Good catch. In comic form. Yes, you are correct. This is a reference to Sonic the Comic, where Supersonic is a separate entity, and also not really the best person, as we're about to see, too. Because uh, Sonic rationalizes what he's seeing here. Uh, Since green Chaos Emeralds turn him super, red Chaos Emeralds must manifest Supersonic as a separate entity. Kind of has a bad feeling about what's going to happen. So Supersonic goes on a rampage, leveling the city, and kills civilians in crossfire. And he flies away, destroying more of the planet in the process. Sonic catches up to him, saying, Dude, what's your problem? You're, like, supposed to be, you know, a good guy, right? To which Supersonic laughs, saying, There is no good or evil, only power, as he fires on Sonic. Supersonic flies off and lands about to destroy one of the planet's moons, leaving Sonic to tackle him, missing the moons, which Supersonic retaliates by just kicking and punching Sonic into the ground. And about to deliver the final blow, Supersonic fades away, out of chaos energy, and Sonic just lies there in the ground, I presume bleeding just like Invincible in the last episode, saying, nope, this was my plan all along. Hey, uh, hey, uh, fan artist, can we get Supersonic doing the think thing in front of regular Sonic? Yeah, thank you, boys, love ya. So Sonic says, yep, this was my plan all along, just to bide time until he fades away. And also, like, that's the end of this story, but I also do need to point out, there is a story B here that actually isn't canon. This is, uh, so in these books, there is, like, a strip comic called Off Panel, which are, like, more gag comics. In this era, it's just, like, the editor that I mentioned previously, J.F. Gabri, like, fucking around in the office. Sometimes Sonic is there. And this story B, like, is part of that world, so it's not canon. And truth be told, like, as I was reading this, like, it was just kind of making me mad reading it, because this is just so... The writing was just so infuriating to me. Like, it was just... Very, like, unfunny self-awareness. Like, the very first line is like, oh, finally, we're in a main, like, main story part of the book. We've got our own, like, real storyline. And there's just something about, like, you know, deadlines, like, as some, like, villain coming up to, like, torture them or shit like that. Like, I don't care. I don't like it. I'm ignoring it. I'm glad it wasn't just me, because as I was reading this, I'm like, 
This isn't doing like, anything. Like this I, I really doing... just kind of skipped through most of it because I'm like, I do not give a shit about I, this. I did too because it's just like, I don't like this. Like, why am I reading this? I really don't like it. This is bad. Go look at it yourself if you're so curious. I promise you're not, not going to like it. it. It's, it's not even like a so bad it's good. It's just, it's this not fun. Don't bad. do it. Like, it's sort of like, it's a, yeah, like you said, it's so. It's not even so bad it's good. It's just like bad and it's stuck as bad. I'm not enjoying it. Don't like it. Bad post, OP. Not funny. Didn't laugh. So, we'll end off with our final comic tonight. Sonic the Hedgehog number 127. So, Benny Lee wrote, Ron Lynn did the art. So, after the last story, Sonic is on board the Denovlian ship and meets the crew. And they give him a universal translator. And from there, the captain introduces his tr- crew and the trade ship, the Magstaron. And their destination is a planet called Mesorgillion, a trade hub. So the chances of you getting back to Mobius will increase wayfold once you get there. The ship looks familiar to me, and it's bothering me, because I swear I've seen one that looks almost exactly like it. Look, I'll be honest, you probably have seen it. I don't recognize it. It might be from, like, Star Trek or something. You know how they are. Yeah, this is true. They, yeah. Funny you mentioned that. I don't remember bringing this up, but, uh... Knack had, like, a bounty hunting ship that he got from somewhere. It looks literally exactly like the Millennium Falcon. Like, this is not a joke. It is the Millennium God, Falcon. Damn, they really just said, let's just take from Star Wars. Take more from Star Wars. Fuck it, dude. Sonic is about to express his gratitude until their ship uh, gets hit by a sun-going supernova and are about to be hit by space debris. Don't you just hate that? Like, you know, I play in No Man's Sky, you know, that asteroid fe- Come on, man. I just hate that. So they're about to be hit by space debris. They just hope the hull is strong enough to take the hit. It's not. So the energy core of the ship is overheating and they need to evacuate and rush into the escape pods. But there isn't an extra for Sonic. And so Sonic is like arguing with the captain. No, go. Like, go. Like, you deserve to go. To which the captain grabs Sonic, pushes him into the last one, and sends him off his way sacrificing himself and as the ship explodes leaving sonic on his own important thing to note these escape pods are labeled as uh biopods so they're designed to seek out whatever planet so if they're in deep space if they can detect a form of life of a planet it's going to go there automatically this escape pod lands on a desolate planet during a rainstorm about three weeks past sonic figures he's just eating rations which leads Sonic to step out onto the pod, and he sees the water on this world is kind of pinkish in color, and sees microbes coming up to the surface, slowly turning into a branch, and then a whole tree, and sees the pink sea goes from frozen to liquid in a matter of seconds. Freaked out, he figures the best thing to do is just stay in the pod, where it's safe, and naps for about an hour. When he wakes up, he sees that life on this planet has come to a primitive point where intelligent life now lives in a little village with small huts. And time is passing quickly. Like, boom, boom, boom. We see the village turning into like a future megapolis in an instant. And Sonic steps out, noting that the constant theme of the architecture is the symbol of his head and quills. And when he steps out is the exact moment where time begins to move at a correct pace. Direct quote, 
for once in my life, things are going too fast for me. It gets better. It gets, oh, it gets so much better. So, the people step out to meet Sonic. They're, these are like three-eyed green men. One of them introducing himself as Professor Prague, who, along with others, invented a device to slow down time, leading Sonic to ask why everything around here looks like it's modeled after me. So Prague says, well, since the dawn of our civilization, the early ancestors found your containment pod and you were always asleep. But since time moved so fast for us, they figured Sonic was an immovable immortal. They only ever saw Sonic move a handful of times. And as their technology progressed, they could never find a way to open Sonic's pod. But they bioscanned him and they figured him as a god. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> is a god to these people. And <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's very funny. That yes, line. It is very funny. I get it. Leading and even better, there were legitimate wars of ideology. There were fucking crusades over Sonic, dude. Could you crusades, dude? I love this comic. <laughs> it's so dumb. So these wars of I wars of ideology occurred, but at the end, quote, the old ways prevailed, and they're happy that they could meet Sonic to meet his creations. Sonic stops it all and says, Look, listen, I'm not a god. I did not create you. I am an alien who crashed on your planet a long time ago. I wanna go home. Can you do that for me? And Prog says, I I mean, we don't have any way to do space travel, but, like, we could build a ship for you. And Sonic is like, but that'll take, like, years, dude. To which Prog is like, hey, yeah, that would. So he turns off the time uh, displacement, and they build a ship around Sonic, literally in the blink of an eye. And before he knows it, he's in orbit of this planet. And also, I need to point out, the ship is in the shape of his head yet again. Love the consistency. So now Sonic is on his way home. 10 out of 10. Y'all are on crack, but I love it. Yeah, I, I like this one. Good job, uh, Benny Lee. <laughs> what I, the hell? <laughs> who decided? Yeah, let's make people think Sonic's our god. You know what? This is one of those times where I'm glad I'm doing this. I thoroughly... Like, this is stupid. This is really stupid. But I love it. This is the correct amount of stupid. We do have a last story written by Mike Gallagher, art by Manak. This is definitely one of those. Like, they had this on the back burner. And, uh, you know, like, they had to get rid of the story. It's legit a parody of the Spy vs. Spy comic strip where, like, Sonic and Knuckles are, like, fucking with each other with spy gadgets and all that. Like, it's all that shit. Like, what is it? Sonic chases Knuckles to an amusement park to which Eggman comes out to fuck with them and vanishes to the, uh, the Shadow Zone, as it's called. I love Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, <laughs> leading Sonic and Knuckles to follow him in, revealing this Eggman is a fake controlled by Shadow. That That's it. That's it. That's Sonic number 127. That's the end of this episode for the comics. Jackal... Do you feel enriched? Because I feel really fucking culturally enriched. I'm very enriched. You know, between the legitimately great 125, the meme fest of the last one, there's some good shit here. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I needed this because 
in my opinion, last episode was a little bit of a sleeper. You know, it happens. We get a dry run of comics. It happens. But you know what? This is the boost of energy I needed. I love this. And yes, issue 25, fucking banger, dude. There's there's a lot of good in this comic. There's a lot of bad. You know, unfortunately, Knuckles' whole existence... But yeah, Knuckles got fucking owned, but he came back from the dead, so it's okay. Knuckles we died. We got our boy back. Knuckles died, but he got better, so it's okay. It's okay. He's not green anymore. He could have. He could have not been green this whole time, apparently. But you know, okay, whatever. Who am I to judge? No, you know, if, if you don't know what to do with your powers, sometimes you're just green for a couple of weeks, nah, months. It happens. It happens. I, I believe that's all I have to say, uh, Jackal. You have any, you know, final thoughts? Mm, I got nothing this time. Well, excellent, because I know for a fact I'll have a lot of thoughts to the next uh, episode, because uh, the next episode, we're, we're going to talk about it. I've been alluding to it probably from the beginning of this uh, podcast. The next arc we will be looking at, Mobius, 25 years later. It's finally happening! It's finally happening! Huh. Color me intrigued. Color me scared. Oh, no. Because, of course... Of course, it was written by our man, the the myth, the legend, Ken Penders. Oh, no. Ken oh, motherfucking no. Penders. You, I have the highest hopes imaginable. Because I have not read this. I have not read Mobius 25 years later. So the emotions you're going to get are my raw, unfiltered ones. So sit tight for that. And you know what? Hey. You want to get that episode a little early? Patreon.com slash SonicSpeed, as low as $2 a month. You can get that episode when it's ready and done for you. This is going to be fun for you, pain for him, it sounds like. Yes. If you want to see our boy in pain, It's two dollars. Give, give him your money. Apparently, my pain is worth $2. It's very cheap pain. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening to this episode, and we'll see you next time with Mobius, 25 years later. Bye, folks. Love ya. Later, everyone.